Hi, uh, welcome to the show. How about you introduce yourself? Hi, um, my name is Zach Barth I'm from Zachtronics Industries. We made Spacecom and other games. <laughs> Great. And uh, how'd you how'd you get into games? I've I've really done games all my life. I mean, when I was younger, I was interested in board games and card games, and I had no idea what programming was, but I was interested in video games and. Just sort of, you know, I've been programming for a long time, and I think video games are very closely related to programming. So it was always just sort of there. It's like, what are you going to program? A video game. And I grew out of that. Yeah. And what was what was your first game uh, that you made? Oh. Um, that I guess that that you released that you were kind of like, hey, this is, I'm going to start making kind of games that other people play. So I know, f- like, yeah, go ahead. Oh, the the first game that I made that I think more than myself and maybe two other people played was Wreck Engineer Two. Okay. So and that that is a uh, reverse engineering like le- electronics reverse engineering circuit debugging game with uh, has video cutscenes and a, a kick-ass storyline. That was the first big one. It got on Hackaday and it sort of took off from there. Yeah, and you know what inspired? I guess because it seems like your games are in the puzzle genre, mm-hmm. and this kind of you're pu- yeah you're kind of synthesizing or putting th- putting together things. Um, what? I guess what inspired going into that genre versus like an adventure genre or platformer genre or something else like that? To be fair, I don't really know. It just sort of happened. And they're just sort of these things that I become fixated with and make. One of the first ones is a game called uh, Manufactoid. And it's a game where you build a factory to assemble things. And I know for a fact that I was inspired to make (laughs) that by watching the show How It's Made. Okay. On television where they have like, they tour the factories. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. It'd be really cool to make one of those factories. And when you make these games, well, that first game that you released that, you know, was where more than two people played it, mm-hmm. I guess, what, um, what did you do to make sure, like, did it feel any different than the previous games you made? Like, what did you do differently that time? Yeah, it, oh, that's a hard question. Um, it felt more like a game. It was more polished, definitely. It had, like, the, the game that came before Wreck Engineer 2 was Wreck Engineer, which was really just a proof of concept, a single level, wasn't a lot of context, it was pretty ugly, it didn't really, you know, it was very hard to play because you sort of had to know me and have me explain it to you. Um, Wreck Engineer 2, on the other hand, is it's a, it's, it's a cohesive whole, you can pick it up, you can start playing, it kind of explains some of what's going on, and you can, you can beat it, and you can experience it much better, and it's more fun. And and is it a downloadable game or is it a flash? It game? is. It's a downloadable game. Right. And you mentioned that it was featured on Hackaday. Yes. Uh, okay. So so what happened at that point? So you you released this game. Yeah. So it gets I, I can, featured. Yeah. Go ahead. I can tell you the story. So, uh, yo, this was over the summer. I I start. I was I was thinking. You know, at the beginning of the summer, I was thinking. You know, it'd be really cool to make another game like Rock Engineer, but more usable and fun because everybody loves games about electrical engineering, right? <laughs> yeah. So I, I went I went to college for that. So yeah. Um, so I started working on the game, and uh, over a couple months, I, fit, I was able to finish it. I recorded a little cutscenes of me not really acting, and, and I finished it. And I was like, okay, awesome. I'm going to put this on my website that no one reads. And so I put it on my website that no one read, and nothing really happened. And I, I read Hackaday and other sites. You know, I read a bunch of sites, but I read Hackaday at the time, too. And someone had posted, they had submitted their game. It was like a, a game where 
So it's a game about database hacking, kind of. <laughs> like you are like in a database and you have to hack other people, and so it's kind of you know it's kind of hack a day ish. And so I sent them the link, and I was like, hey, you guys apparently post games. You'll love my game because it's about hacking electronics. And they posted it, which was really cool. And after that, I got probably I think I got like five thousand hits to my site on on that day. And yes. for me, this is like holy crap! This is the most amazing moment of my life right now. Awesome. And that's that's sort of when I got I got hooked on on the internet popularity game. <laughs> and um, you know, once you got people playing it, were you getting feedback from people? I what did you at that point? I know you're. It felt really great. What did you decide at that point? Were you thinking about making another game? Were you thinking about improving this game? What were your thoughts? Uh, one of the things that people wanted was a way to make their own puzzles. And so one thing that spun off of that was the Rock Engineer level editor and a contest where people could create their own levels and they would be kind of compiled and published as a thing. Like two years later, it was actually finished and published. Um, it turns out it's hard to make Rock Engineer puzzles. But off of that, I sort of learned more about, you know, like the engineering puzzle genre is that, hey, there's a lot of people who kind of like engineering and like these engineering puzzle games. And so that spun off... I guess into another, you know, the Codex of Alchemical Engineering and other things in that that sort of path. Yeah. So let's. Um, so what was the next game after that? So you made the editor, um, you know, and then, you know, it kind of puts you on this path to make those engineering type games. Uh, so what was the next game after that? Actually, so the next game I think was the Bureau of Steam Engineering. So that was after Ruck Engineer Two was a downloadable <laughs> game, and that was when I learned also that downloadable games are awful at converting people, especially when it doesn't look fun. You know, getting them to try it out is harder. So yeah. I went, I learned Flash, and I made a game called the Bureau of Steam Engineering, which, as you can tell, is a game about steam engineering. <laughs> and you you build basically you have like a mech chassis, and by laying down pipes and valves, you control you can hook weapons onto it and sort of turn it into a little robot that you can use to fight. Okay. And um, so what was the response to this one um, since you did it in a different platform? And also, were you charging for these games or were these mainly? No, these um, are all games? free. Okay. So I, I did the, the Bureau of Steam Engineering and I released it on my website. And the people, my fans from Ruck Engineer 2 came back and were like, oh, this is really great. You should put this on Congregate because they're free. So I was <laughs> like, eh, I don't know about that. But I did it. And it was a good idea because I put it on Congregate and I actually got a whole bunch of hits and got a little bit of cash from their advertising. Awesome. And yeah. And so it sort of took off. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. I can put my games out there and a lot of people will play them. Yeah. And so once you, well, how did it feel, I guess, making cash off of this hobby, you know, off of these games that you do for fun? Oh, it was like 40 bucks. So it was, hey, it's, it's <laughs> it was cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, and let's talk about the community then. Were you developing a fan base as you're releasing these different games? And like, yes. you know, were you, how are you keeping in touch with them? And were you doing blog posts to just, because uh, it seems like you're passionate about these types of puzzles. So were you doing blog posts while these games were being developed, just talking about, you know, these types of puzzles or this type of thinking? Kind of. So I have a blog, and I, that's how I, the main way that I communicate with my fans. I also have a mailing list for people who don't read the blog, because there's not a lot to read on the blog. Uh, there's a mailing list where they can sign up and find out about the new games that come out, and I've had that for a while. Um, I'm sort of a terrible blogger, and I'm also sort of like a, like a, like a private developer. I don't really like publicizing things until they're done, because I, I like kind of like surprising people, hey, look, it's a new game, and yeah. just exciting people with something real that they can actually enjoy. Um. Okay, so so after Congregate, um, after that game on Congregate, what was the next step? What were you thinking about next? Uh, some through some leap, I, I ended up making the Codex of Alchemical eh, the Codex of Alchemical Engineering, and I actually have no idea where the idea came from. I 
can't really remember, but it's sort of it's an engineering game. It's like I think it's okay. So actually, I think I remember the train of thought. It's it's like Manu- so Manufactoid came out before Ruck Engineer Two. Yeah. Uh, Manufactoid is awful in that it requires you to program in Lua, so you have to learn oh, some really? obscure awesome. programming <laughs> language in order to play this game. It's very demanding. It's you know, coming from Space Chem, I and mean, that's saying something that this manufact- you know, Manufactoid was bad in that regard. So with the Codex, uh, what if we could make Manufactoid? And have it not require you to learn a programming language, so that you're able to place down these little arms, and then via like a very simple symbolic programming language, have them move around, pick up atoms, combine them together, and create a product that it specifies. Okay, and and so you make this game. What were, were there any challenges while you're making this making this game? And you know, as you're developing these different types of games, how did your game design or your you know these kind of engineering puzzle design understanding evolve like you know what what were you doing differently to make sure that more people could enjoy these games or that your audience was actually getting more satisfied um with each new game release the biggest thing at this time for me was definitely this is my my learning period of usability and i mean don't get me wrong the codex of alchemical engineering terrible usability but it's better than rock engineer is better than bureau of steam engineering by far it actually has like a couple pages of tutorial uh there's a very like there's there's more than four puzzles and they have a, a pretty good ramp up in difficulty and uh contextual help lots of things that were missing from the bureau of steam engineering to, to make it more playable and make people be able to pick it up and play it and in that regard i think it was successful because the codex of alchemical engineering was the first game that i was able to put on congregate that was successful. I actually won one of the weekly contests yeah. and uh, got uh, way more views. You know, I mean, it had like many, many, many hits on Congregate. So I think that really paid off. Great. And, and so, what were you thinking at that point? So you made this game, you released it. You know, people are responding to it. Um, it won one of the contests. Um, what did you decide at that point to do? So a lot of people wanted a level editor, and I was sort of worried about just making a level editor, because what I see a lot of times with level editors is that they'll say, here's the level editor, you guys are happy now, right? And people will make a bunch of levels, and a lot of them will be crappy, and it'll be really hard to find the good ones out of it, and I, I don't think that's a very good experience. So what I said was, hey, you know, I'm not going to make a level editor, because that's going to take me a bunch of time. Instead, I'm going to let you design your own puzzles. I'm going to, here's all the artwork, so you can kind of cobble it together and paint, and then you can send it to me, and the best ones will be turned into puzzles in an expansion pack. And that's exactly what happened. The, the codex of Alchemical engineering the magnum opus challenge <laughs> is the expansion to the codex also free also on congregate not as popular but has a lot more like harder puzzles that were submitted by users and then i sort of tweaked them into being different and a good experience yeah uh, i mean did you get a decent amount of puzzle submissions like how how did the community respond to such a thing because it seems like it's kind of difficult to actually use paint to you know to yeah. design puzzles and stuff like that so i probably got 20 or 30 submissions which was more than enough they were very good and i was able yeah. to turn it into the 15 puzzles in the game oh, okay great so i guess that's not a huge response but it was big enough yeah and during that time you know not now that more people are playing the games were you also trying to promote your mailing list and you know promote your blog and stuff like that or, or was that not heavily. Separate. It was okay. mostly organic. I mean, I wasn't charging still, so you know, yeah. if people found out about it, that was that was good. Uh, it sort of organically built up, and definitely, definitely and, did. And at this point, were you thinking about, hey, maybe I should try the shareware model, or you know, like try <laughs> to try to go full time indie, or, or what were your thoughts at that point? At this point, I was thinking now would be a really great time to make an inaccessible, very hard game called Constructor, which was what came next. Okay, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and that was that was it's a flash game where you basically lay out uh, integrated circuits in a like it's not real integrated circuits, it's fake integrated circuits, but it's still very very difficult, and a lot of people had no idea what was going on. 
and uh, and that's what came next. <laughs> and did you release it on Congregate or? Yep, Congregate free, uh, probably the least successful of all three. And yeah, so how did you feel? So you know, you had these games kind of build up, and each one was incrementally getting more plays, and then this one had less success. What did you learn from that? What did you decide to change after that experience? Um, so I learned that you know making games about really hard subjects like that probably not the best idea. But to be fair, I actually consider it somewhat of a success because you know it's it's very good at being very niche, and I think there's value to that. I mean, it's I'm just, you know at this point I was just doing everything for fun, so they were all free, so it really didn't matter. You know, I felt successful. I think it's it's cool in its own way, and a lot of other people thought so too. Great. And so after that game, uh, what came next? Infiniminer. And and what's that about? So Infiniminer is a uh, multiplayer team-based mining game set in a procedurally generated world made out of blocks where you can manipulate everything you can create your own you can build your own blocks you can remove other blocks you can fight people you can place tnt you can blow them up you can mine for gold you can bring it back up you get points you win um, yes so oh wait when was this made like this was made uh 2008 Oh, wow. 2009. I mean, because that sounds similar to, to another game, right? It like... does. It does. <laughs> so, in, in Finominer, uh is the, the inspiration in terms of the blockiness for a game called Minecraft. Yeah. Um, yes. Okay, so, so you made this game, I mean, way before Minecraft game. Yep. Um, and what, what inspired multiplayer? What, what... So, I, I love TF2. I'm a huge TF2 okay. fan. And, you know, TF2, you have two teams. It's multiplayer, team-based, uh, objective-based. And, but it's all about guns. So I'd, I'd made a, a, a game before that took place in the block world. And I was thinking, well, what if you could do something kind of like TF2, but make it you know, more about exploring, but it's still competitive, but there's no guns. And it turns out that's a terrible idea because you know, it's like the, it was basically a game about griefing. Because you can't, you can't really, if a player comes up and wants to mess with you, you can't just like, shoot them and then they're gone. No, they're there. And they're going to start undermining like, the blocks you're walking on. And they're going to maybe like, place some TNT and blow you up. Okay. So it didn't it didn't work that well in that regard, and that was really what it was based on was that idea of the, the basically multiplayer griefing. And you were trying to do real time multiplayer. It wasn't like yep. it was asynchronous it multiplayer or something. No, it's real time. Okay, and was this game a bit more difficult to make because you had those real time aspects and multiplayer aspects? Oh yeah, and it's three D and it's procedural. Yeah. Definitely, there were lots of challenges there that I did a very uh, mediocre job addressing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And well, was it done in Flash or was it a download? No, this was done in XNA. Oh, okay, so, and it, cool. Majority, like all the coding was majority of it was by myself with a little bit of art support from a friend. And um, you know, the thing is, now that you've heard of Minecraft success, I guess <laughs> do you do you feel like you were kind of on that path? Like, what what could have, or was the game just so different from what Minecraft is? Because I mean, they kind of seem somewhat, they sound similar. I haven't you know played both, but. I guess, so, what could you have done the, differently, or what do you feel were the game design elements that could have been in, you know, put into the game to make it different, or to so, make it kind of more successful? Yeah. I think the, you know, so there's really two components to Infiniminer. There's sort of this procedural block world that you can explore and dig in and build on, and then there's the, like the, the TF2-inspired, poorly done, uh, you know, competitive mining aspect. And some people liked the competitive mining thing, but for the majority of people, they just sort of took it and they were like, no, let's, let's play in a sandbox. You know, we're not going to fight each other. Or we're all going on the same team and we'll build some stuff together yeah. and we'll dig out and explore the caves. And yeah, so that was a lot of people really enjoyed it for that. But I mean, at that point, the game had already been made to be this mining game. So it's sort of hard to take a game like that and strip it out. 
and uh, you know that combined with the there was a source like I guess you can call it a source code leak, but you know it turns out that I did it in a language called C sharp. I did not obfuscate it. Turns out that you can extract the source code from it. So okay. what happened is that a lot of players took the game, took the source code out, made hacked clients, made their own <laughs> versions that were incompatible with other players. And you know, so I'm doing this for fun. I'm doing this because it's my baby. And then you know, all these people out there just kind of like going to hell, you know, making it really hard to push the game forward in a cohesive fashion. So I lost interest. And you know, I loved the idea of the you know, I love the idea of the procedural block world. But you know, the the mining aspect, I really could care less about. So yeah. you know, there was a lot of thinking at the time, like, oh, how can I take the blocks forward? What can we do with this? You know, how could, how could you do that? And that sort of, you know, I was thinking about that and, you know, and then like Minecraft sort of happened and it was like, well, yeah. yeah. How, well, how many, um, how many players did you have for the game? Like, I, I honestly have no idea. It was, yeah. it was not hugely popular, um, but it was, it was pretty popular. I think it hit like 4chan, so that helped. Oh, okay. And yeah. It was still free, so. <laughs> okay, and you were you even thinking about like free-to-play model or virtual currency or something else like that? The reason I ask is because there's actually another MMO called Roblox, I think, mm-hmm. and you know that's that's kind of building. I know, it, okay, it's not, you know, obviously they don't. I don't think they have a competitive aspect, but you were mentioning that people um, who were playing that game kind of like the building aspect or totally. working with other people. So I wasn't sure if you were or were you inspired to make another MMO after that. So I had we had one idea that was kicking around with with a friend of like basically it was called Infinite Worlds and you would have the ability for players to kind of take a space and then create a little world out of it by using blocks and a little bit of scripting to kind of add some mechanics to it so a lot like Roblox and that in that effect and be able to make this and then be able to like you know, share it for people to you know, explore and yeah. have like a hub where you could kind of like warp around with your friends and like suddenly you'd find yourself in like a world that somebody had built and you have to find the objective there and explore it and things like that. But that never really went anywhere. Okay. And so after that game, you know, and that experience, what, what did you decide to do next? So at that point, I, I sort of realized, you know, it's like, wow, this, you know, Infiniminer was pretty popular. Maybe I should start considering making a game that's not free, which is sort of, you know, a crazy idea at the time. Yeah. But, and that's, that is what led to Space Chem. Okay. And um, when you decided to do Space Chem, what, how, how did you go about designing it? You know, taking all the lessons that you've learned from those other games, what did you do differently designing this game? Well, for, for starters, the, the scope is much bigger. And you know, the first thought is, well, if we're going to make this commercial product, obviously it has to have a lot more, you know, a lot more playability to it, uh, you know, a lot more enjoyable for more people than like the Codex was, and yeah. So the the first part was really kind of coming up with what the new mechanic would be, because Codex has like this rotational based one where you you have these arms that really all they can do is like extend inward and outward and rotate. Yeah. So you know, we're thinking, well, that's you know, that was it was interesting, but it made the Codex really complicated. So we designed something that was you know similar but a lot more simplified and a lot easier for people to pick up and do. And that's where we came up with the the mechanic system in Spacechem. And when you were coming up with the mechanic system, like, did you just have to do a lot of prototypes, or was it just like, okay, this is how the mechanic's going to be, and we'll just build off of that? <laughs> For the most, it, it started off as really, you know, I think I think it's going to be this. Let's try it out. So, and it's actually it's inspired by a programming challenge. 
that I was told about where you basically you have to you have to program like a virtual machine and then according to like the specifications and then program a like a satellite controller for it or something but the the gimmick behind the virtual machine is that uh, the what is it the the instructions each instruction was paired to a, a space in memory so and that's a lot like space chem is that you know the, you have your your thing that's moving around and it corresponds to physical like the physical positions of the atoms but also corresponds to the logic behind it so we had this idea for the mechanic we're like yeah let, let's try this and so we we prototyped it and pretty quickly we're like oh yeah this is this is interesting there's a lot to do here and um, for the audience out there can you describe the gameplay behind space chem um, for those that haven't played it yet. Yeah, so Space Chem is a game where it's a puzzle game where you basically are presented with a set of input molecules, which are just little like circles that are bonded together with lines and that are attached together, and they're outputs. And you have to take the inputs, uh, reconfigure them into the outputs. And the process by which you do that, you have two little grabber things that move around on paths that you program, and along the paths are instructions like, you know, bring in a new molecule and uh, pick up the whatever is at the position that this grabber is at right now and drop it and rotate it and activate bonders which can add and remove bonds between them and the the emergent effect of that is that you end up writing a little visual program that will take the molecules bring them in you know rip them apart stick them back together and then output that so that's sort of the core mechanic uh, we take that and basically take you know you're inside a little box doing that. We say, what if you had multiple boxes that you could pipe together? And what if you could take those like set of multiple boxes that are piped together and then have them power a weapon that you have to do special stuff with? Yeah. So that's that's Space Chem in a nutshell. And were, when you when you were designing this game, were you a little concerned that the theme might prevent more people from playing it? Because um, I know we talked about, <laughs> I mean, you mentioned that in it for an earlier game, so I wasn't sure if you were going to do something different this time. We had no idea, to be honest. Uh, we, we, you know, it's all through the, the playing the game, telling people about it, prototyping it, uh, developing it, play testing it. No one really said, "Oh, chemistry." Oh, I don't know about that. You know, everybody was yeah. was pretty tolerant of that. And I guess this is sort of a reflection of you know the people that I hang out with that were like, "Chemistry, yeah, chemistry is awesome." <laughs> but and right away we learned at launch, no, chemistry is not awesome. Most people do not like chemistry, and yeah. the fact that you say it, it's. You know, and I'm looking at my website right now, the tagline, Space Chem, it's not about chemistry. Because a lot of people think, oh, I don't know chemistry, I can't do this. And well, we had, you know, we're kind of blindsided by that, quite frankly, that people would say, like, well, no, it's a game. It's not about yeah. chemistry. No, but no, people thought, like, this is, this is all about chemistry. So, so maybe it should surprising. be called um, Space Gems. <laughs> space <laughs> not chemistry. <laughs> yeah, or, or space, like Space Jewels. Yeah. And then you put stuff, I mean... I'm just, I think that one of the things um, I've seen is when I, when I talk to other developers, it's like, you know, figuring, it can be the same game, but just mm -hmm. a different theme will, will like totally engage yeah. people in a, in a way that would not have been possible before. And that's, so that's, I guess that, that was one concern I had is that are, have you, did you guys, or are you thinking now about changing the theme, you know, just so it's more accessible? Cause, and the reason I bring it up this time is because this time, you're trying to to charge for this game, right? Like, yes. Yeah. So, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on that? I mean, you were doing all those other games for fun. You know, you grew an audience. Um, you you developed a design understanding. Do you feel that it is worth it to maybe change the theme a little so that more people can share or experience the design or the passion of the game design that you have? So uh, definitely a lesson learned. I will never make a game about chemistry ever again, for sure. But uh, but then again, space, to be fair, Minecraft. You know, like a, a game about mining. You know what I'm saying? Well, it's like, not really about mining. I mean, that is not yeah, what mining but, is but like. But still, but still, like, <laughs> no one would have yeah. guessed that a game about mining would have been that huge. Well, 
World of Warcraft. It's really not about yeah, mining, actually, though, I point. think. Like, okay. World of Warcraft. Like, people love, people love gathering stuff. That is an intrinsic thing. You know, chemistry is different. But so, <laughs> okay. so yeah. yeah, going forward, I, I will try not to make another game about chemistry, definitely. But as for Space Chem, I think, uh, to be honest, the theme really runs deep through the entire thing. I mean, the, the fiction yeah. is all about an engineering company, you know, mining stuff in space and chemicals. And the, yeah. uh, every single one of the puzzles is a real, you know, they're real molecules. And all of the, the mechanics are based, you know, inspired by the periodic table of elements. Yeah. And the, yeah, it's... You know, the trivia is all about chemistry. Like it, it runs through the entire product. Well, so let's, let's... I feel like it would be hard, and I just, I, I don't think it's that bad. I mean, so a lot of people, oh, yeah, you know, fine. might get turned off by it. But there's on the on the flip side, they're gonna people who are gonna see this as like, oh, chemistry. Maybe that's not as scary as I thought. Maybe this is something I'd like to learn more about. Yeah. Well, let's talk about this story also um, mm-hmm. in the game. Um, you know, did you, so? Did you work with someone else to design the story? Because I think in the credits it was. Yes. Uh, it seemed like it was a multi um yeah, definitely. team. So how was the story developed? And how, yeah, can you talk about so that? Pretty much I, I like to do the world building, you know, from the from the start and so that way the entire game can be built in that world and try to keep it as authentic as possible. So a lot of the world building was done at the beginning. A lot of the story was really crafted and the plot points and what's gonna happen was was crafted very early on. Uh, I tried writing it myself and trying to do like originally it was supposed to be like a sort of like an RPG dialogue based story, yeah. but it became very obvious very early that that wasn't going to work because the dialogue was boring. You know, we have all these exciting places and things, and without you know without a lot of artwork, it's kind of hard to express that. So that's when we made the decision. You know, what if we switch to writing this more of like a novel format and pick up somebody who can actually write that? So that's what happened. Yeah, and how did you figure out or how did you find someone that could write the story and? When they did write the story, were, I mean, what was the process? Did they just write it separately or did you and, and them meet together and just kind of hash out the story together? Oh, basically, uh, so I started with the outline and kind of described the outline and then she was able to turn it into the, turn it into the story, basically. And, so, and I, yeah. yeah, and were there any other challenges as you're developing the story? And what inspired you to add a story to a puzzle game? So, I mean, I'm thinking about like incredible contraptions and incredible machines or, or something like that. Uh, there's not a lot of story in a lot of those games. No. So what what was the inspiration for story in this place? I don't know. I like stories. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I thought it would be interesting. Um, it, it provided a lot of inspiration for some of the puzzles, and I think it's cool to be able to tie the puzzles back into the story. And that's if you... Yeah. A lot of my previous games are, you know, puzzle-based or uh, story-based puzzle games, kind of story-based, but... But like in you know, a Ruck Engineer, there's this you know the reason why it's so kick-ass is because there's this this story going on. It's pretty cliche, but you know you're fighting with like a resistance, but you're their engineer, and yeah. you know the idea uh, the the Codex has a very you know loose story. The Bureau of Steam Engineering, you know where you're an engineer uh, with the Bureau of Steam Engineering in like an alternate world, alternate history Civil War era, and uh, for me, just the the story is always. I don't know. It's just an important part of the world building, even if it's not like a true like narrative story. Space Chem story yeah. was very narrative, but in a lot of the other games, even you know, have the later story. It's more of like a world building, so you know where the game takes place and you can experience that. And that's one of the things I've actually gotten a lot of positive feedback from is people say, "Oh, I like your puzzles, but I really like the the worlds that you put them in, and it's very you know, it's, it's fun." Yeah. And do you feel that like in your story, there's there's a decent amount of text? Mm-hmm. Do you feel that, or did you make any videos for it, or any like? Oh, no, I wanted so to originally. Some of the people on my team thought that was a terrible idea. I love the oh, Command yeah. and Conquer videos. I think that's yeah. like the most fantastic thing <laughs> ever. But uh, I'm not very. I am awful at acting. Uh, it's very hard <laughs> to make the videos. And at that point, I was like, well, you know, the cost benefit. I could make a game, or I could make a terrible movie. You know, we ended up making a game and going with with writing. Great. 
And so aside from the story, what were some of the other, I guess, challenges or aspects of the game that, um, that kind of surprised you? Well, making puzzles is always tricky, uh, especially, you know, these are not little, like, little very quick puzzles. A lot of them actually end up being very in-depth, so we tried to avoid redundancy in puzzles that just because, you know, when it takes you 10 minutes to solve a puzzle, at least 10 minutes to solve a puzzle, um, yeah. it really doesn't need to be, like, like mechanically redundant and maybe that was you know maybe we could have added some more redundancy to pad it out i mean that's why if you notice the the difficulty curve of space cam every single puzzle and i've heard this described is that you get to a new puzzle you're like oh my god this is impossible i this is you can't do this and then you slowly come to the conclusion <laughs> like oh you can do it and the reason why every puzzle is like that is because i you know i, I made sure to remove all the the duplicates that were sort of like systematically similar yeah um yeah so i was i was playing a little mm-hmm. and even the first puzzle seems to take a little longer than normal. Am I missing something? I, I, then again, no. I may have missed. No, it's hard. It's a hard game. Yeah. So <laughs> should, lesson, shouldn't the yeah. first puzzle be easy, like so I can feel good? Like I got. Kind of... <laughs> to be fair, the first puzzle tells you exactly where to put things. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That was still kind of hard. I think. Like. Yeah. So I, I mean, I guess one thing um, that I noticed is that okay, so I, you know, I went in, I played the game, and. When I hit, well, first of all, it was kind of hard to figure out the different stages. Like, I didn't know mm-hmm. where to hit play and stuff like that and whatever. Mm-hmm. That kind of actually took a while. So, I mean, in the playtesting, what was the response as, uh, did you get, like, random people to come in and play it? Or was it mostly mm-hmm. your friends who were playing it? Uh, we got, like, friends and random friends of friends to yeah. come in and play it. We did an in-person playtesting. And and what were some of the discoveries that you made during the playtesting sessions or things uh, that you changed because of that? Some people picked it up right away. Some people were hopelessly confused. A lot of what we did was uh, all the things that are in the tutorials are usually, like, they're crafted around specific responses that people had. Like, oh, I just, you know, like, we had some people who just couldn't, for the life of them, figure out how to, you know, switch to the blue. And so that's yeah. why we added, a t- like the, we added a tutorial puzzle that starts you off using the blue one and, and stuff like that. Okay. So. Yeah, even the the crossover puzzle, which is like one of the, the the early on tutorial puzzles, we just added because we realized, hey, a lot of people don't realize that you don't have to keep the red on the top and the blue on the bottom. Is that you can have them switch over? So we sort of require you to do that as part of the tutorial, and we just you know added that recently based on feedback and metrics and stuff. Yeah, um, well, yeah, let's talk about metrics. Uh, what metrics are you keeping track of? Oh. Um, uh, when levels are started, completed, uh, you know, finished, quit, uh, if you quit without completing it, uh, how long it takes, um, I think what else, there's some other things. Those are basically, that, that's really what we focused on, is like playing levels, like how people play and how long it takes to play a level. And what's been the most surprising thing then that the metrics have told you? Uh, that 0.4% of people finish the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so how are you going to get that to... Um maybe 4% or, or 80% or 94%. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? It's difficult with Space Chem because yeah. like, part of why it's fun is because it's, it's very hard and like, you really have to solve the puzzles. And I, I don't know if, if, if in its current state, you know, without like, axing off like, all the difficult puzzles, if people could really get to the end. So this is something yeah. we've been focusing more on, like what we're going to do next time as opposed to how we're going to clean up Space Chem because we would have to radically alter a lot of it and i feel like those efforts would be better spent on a new game but yeah. you know like what is the end of a game you know like i sort of went in naively thinking oh you get through all the puzzles you reach the end and sort of like like super meat boy does that too and it's just like maybe that's not the right answer you know okay and um 
this this game was actually the downloadable. So what inspired mm-hmm. you to do a downloadable versus um, a Flash game again? I hate Flash. Okay. Well, it's <laughs> but it makes it way more accessible, right? To it be does. Fair. I think it's harder with uh, when you're working on a very big project with a lot of developers. You know, we had more than one developer on this, so we were able to use modern development practices, modern development tools, <laughs> uh, really speed up development time, which I thought was good. Debugging was made much easily, more easily uh, done. We could invest in a lot more technology. Like right now, you know, in Space Cam, we have the ability that when you finish a level, you can record it and then upload to YouTube automatically. Oh. And I think that would be harder to do on YouTube. Uh, probably not impossible, but harder to do on Flash. Yeah. So little things like that, just the freedom to be able to do really anything because we have a lot more code power. And, well, did you guys think of putting it on a mobile device or anything like that? Or um, what of. inspired you to do, yeah, what inspired you to do um, PC, Mac, um, Steam? Thanks versus um, mobile, like iPhone or Android? When we started, honestly, like, I don't think the the iPhone, you know, the the mobile phone boom, we started this last, not last October, you know, the October of 2009. So I don't think, I mean, mobile mobile games were getting bigger, but I really had no exposure. I still don't really own a decent smartphone. Um, So it wasn't really a big thing in our minds, like, oh, let's make a phone game. You know, I'm very classic PC gamer. I was like, let's make a PC game, because this is what everybody plays, right? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Originally, we were thinking about trying to target uh, XBLA and Windows, but you kind of have to have more, you know, we were nobodies, really. So getting on XBLA would be challenging. Instead, we we decided to switch to uh, Windows, Linux, uh, Mac. As something, because it's definitely it's an accessible platform that you don't have to have anybody's permission to develop for the PC. So that's what we went after. Yeah, and let's let's talk about the marketing of the game. What mm-hmm. what steps did you do this time to promote the game, market it, get the word out? Um, yeah. So so when we finished Space Camp, we honestly were not really expecting to sell that many copies. I mean, this is really just you know we did this just for fun, yeah. um, to see if we could make a you know all my games before this were were very small in scope, not really like commercial quality. I, I think that Space Camp is close to you know downloadable commercial quality. And so we sort of we had this this game. We're like, okay, how are we going to sell it? Um, started by making a store, leveraging the the custom, you know, all these fans that I built up over the years in the Zactronics Industries who love engineering games because they're the best fans ever. Yeah. Um, that you know, just targeting them and say, hey guys, look, it's a new game. You've been waiting for a year. I haven't said anything. Sorry, but here's a game, and you can buy it. And they were definitely, you know, that, that kind of got it started. Uh, we were hoping for a lot of, you know, really making this like an organic viral game because it's, it's sort of quirky and I feel like it would be hard to force, inexpensive to force this towards people so they see it. Whereas letting it hit stuff like 4chan and people's own forums and letting it to spread organically between people who just think it's awesome and want to share it. Uh, going with that really is our main advertising, sort of low risk advertising strategy. Yeah. And are you and going... it's worked. <laughs> okay. Right. And and are you going to post on your blog some more? How are you going to, um, I guess, keep the community going? You know, just kind of build a build a stronger relationship with the people on your mailing list and stuff like that. Yeah, free updates is is sort of the our core focus. Um, our next big update is going to be out within the next few months and features a level editor, uh, a way for people to sh- make levels, share them with their friends, and share them with everybody who plays Space Chem in an organized fashion. <laughs> And um, yeah, are there any other things that you're doing? Like, are there is there going to be a community forum or anything else like that? Oh, there. So we have a like a pseudo forum on. We have a subreddit on, on reddit.com. Oh, okay. yeah. I, I feel it's better. We actually there is a Zactronics Industries forum, but I don't like how it's kind of tucked away on the Zactronics Industries site. And there's a lot of people who've been there for a long time, so it's sort of hardcore. Uh, putting it on the Reddit is nice because it sort of piggybacks into this bigger community. So yeah. you can't just go in there and act like you own the place because you don't. And it, it's much more open, much easier for people to find. And so well, so far I think it's actually gone pretty well. Yeah. What's 
what's been the response? What's I, I mean, guess how are people using the subreddit differently than they would have normally used a forum? There's not, there's no noise. It's just people talking about space chem with important space chem things. So okay. it, it might not be as good for you know meeting new people and being coming friends, but it's very it's very on topic, which is nice. Uh, one special thing we we focused on when developing space chem was making it so that this is a game that people could take, you know, they could get it and then take it back to their communities, which really you know ties in with the viral advertising thing. That you know there's not a place where you're supposed to go and talk about space chem and meet space chem friends. No, you're supposed to take space chem and go back to your forum, go back to your communities. And tell people about it, and get them to start playing it. And you know, we have the, the ability. You can you know record your solution and post a video. You know, a link to the YouTube video. You can talk about your stats. You can look at the graphs. Lots of stuff like that. Yeah, and um, it, and this would be the first game where you had more than two or three other people helping you. Or yes. And how did that go? What was the, I guess, how did that feel? And how is that different or better or worse than doing it alone? <laughs> It was great. Uh, it was a little intimidating at first because I don't really have a lot of formal leadership training and uh, things like finding finding people that you don't know to work on stuff is very hard. Like finding an yeah. artist. I don't really know that many artists and so I actually had to go look online and that's where I found Ryan, our artist, and I found him on the conceptart.org forums and oh, it worked yeah. out really well. And so that was really cool. So that, but that was a little intimidating figuring out like, oh God, I have to fork up some money and then find strangers and then convince them of my vision and... That was a little tricky, but it was definitely worth it. It was really, it was really great. It was just as easy working with a, a huge team as it was working by myself, except we got seven times as much stuff done. Yeah. So, so moving forward, is that how you're going to do your future projects with other people, or? I have no idea. I think so. Okay. I definitely. I'm not. I'm not going to recoil from the experience because I think it went. It went really well. Yeah. And so, what's um, what's next in store um, for the fair? studio? I'm not sure. Uh, definitely more more content for Space Chem. I think that we can, you know, pretty pretty easily on our part deliver a lot more value to people who love Space Chem. So, you know, mainly through ResearchNet and letting people make their own puzzles and expanding on that. Uh, we have some more little features coming in in future updates too. Okay. And yeah. what's I guess what's the goal of the studio? Like uh, moving forward, do you want to focus on more engineering or, or puzzle type games, or do you want to move into other genres? What's the thought? Not really sure. Making better games is, is my okay. number one priority. Things that are more accessible than Space Chem, yeah. uh, more polish and working on that. Just things that more people can enjoy, but keeping really innovative titles. Yeah, I guess, what would you consider a success as a game? Like, as you, as you make more games, what's going to be considered the, the benchmark for success? Better than Space Chem. Okay, I mean, there's... Yeah. I mean, I guess, do you feel that it has to be something like incredible machines or incredible contraptions or something or like in terms I of guess, what oh i guess in terms of um people playing it or the number of people playing it like i guess what would you feel is a very successful game for you oh i don't really have i don't think about it really in absolute terms okay. because a lot especially now the fact that you know all the absolutes that dominate the market now are like triple a titles with 50 million dollar budgets <laughs> i'm clearly not going to approach that anytime soon yeah. um so really the, the 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 real metric to keep me grounded is you know can i do better than last time can i push myself out of my comfort zone to manage a bigger project ship something that's bigger and better more stable more fun more accessible and yeah. just take it from there so then for the next game to make it more accessible um Less chemistry. <laughs> Less chemistry. Okay. Yeah. What what are what have been the lessons learned now? Um, given your unique perspective and uh, design design space that you've you've approached in terms of um, 
kind of engineering type of design. I guess, how do you now approach uh, puzzle design? <laughs> um, I'm not sure. Okay. The, the biggest lesson for me was really about accessibility and designing it in from the beginning. That you can't just say, oh, I'm going to set out and make a game about chemistry and then somehow fix that later. Uh, when you've weave, woven it into the entire thing. So and that, that was sort of like, you know, we went in just thinking, let's just make a game. And by the time we got to the end, it was like, okay, we can make a game easily. Let's just make something that people like. So okay. that, that was the, the big takeaway for me is that start thinking about how you're going to sell it. Think about who's going to play it and how they're going to play it. Think about that ahead of time. And I guess this is sort of common sense to anybody who actually makes games. But this was a big lesson for me. Yeah. Um, so have you already started asking those questions for your next game? Or Definitely. Okay. A lot of discussion around that, yeah. Uh, yeah, for your next game, are you going to keep the same team or are you going to mix and match um, or try a different sure. team altogether? I'm not sure. I like, I like, I'm like. happy with the, the Space Chem team, but I don't know, maybe it gets more people? Who knows? <laughs> okay. And what suggestions would you have for other indie game developers out there who want to um, you know, design interesting different types of games? Just make them. Make games and you know, just keep on incre- you know, improving your skills at making games and getting experience. And that's really the secret. I mean, with Spacecam, you know, we didn't think too much about advertising or marketing or anything like that. But we made a pretty decent game. And I think that you can kind of ride pretty far just on the merits of having a, a fun game. So you know, that's really the secret. Making games is about making games. And any suggestions then for marketing? Like, is, is Steam a powerful... <laughs> um, do you feel Steam is, is a good place for small developers to get exposure and to get um, noticed? I think it's it's a good place to sell your game. Definitely, I don't know about exposure, just because they're you know they they have they're very high value store. They have uh, they're a little selective. So you know we did not get on Steam at launch, which is what a lot of people in the indie games community have reported. So probably not the best way to get exposure, but they're definitely a, like a solid platform, a great partner. Right. And where can listeners find out more about the game? Potentially play it, download it, buy it. At spacechemthegame.com. Okay. Great. And thank you very much. That's it. Thank you. Take care. Bye.